0: Welcome to the Non-Alcoholic Drinks Podcast, helping you navigate the ever-growing world of what non-alcoholic drinks have to offer by bringing you the latest news, interviews and drink reviews. Now, here is your host, Jonathan Lambrianidis. Hello and thank you so much for joining me on another episode of the Non-Alcoholic Drinks Podcast brought to you by tipplezero.com. This is a podcast for anyone looking to take the guesswork out of what an alcoholic drink to try next while staying up to date with the latest news and new releases. My name is Jonathan Lambrianidis and today's episode is supported by Brunswick Aces, the creators of Australia's first non-alcoholic gin, founders of Australia's first non-alcoholic bar and bottle shop and the online home of non-alcoholic. They have been kind enough to offer listeners a 12% discount using the code TIPPLE12 at checkout on their wide range of non-alcoholic beer, wine, and spirits from all over the world. So to find out more, head over to brunswickaces.com and choose how you drink, not if you drink. So today I'm very excited to be joined by Amy Armstrong and if you don't know who Amy is, Amy is the founder of DryButWet.com.au, and that's a resource dedicated to highlighting non-alcoholic drinks and where you can find them. As part of this, Amy's leading the charge to get more non-alcoholic drinks into your favorite bars, pubs and restaurants. Amy, welcome to the Non-Alcoholic Drinks Podcast.
1: Thank you, Jonathan. Nice to be here.
0: No, it's great to have you and to be able to chat. Yeah, it really looks like you've had an amazing level of interest in all things dry but wet. Before we kick off on that, it would be really cool to understand and kind of get everyone up to speed on your background and how you kind of got into the space.
1: I got into the space by having a really big bad blackout one day. A long lunch that went for too long. And that was sort of a line in the sand moment for me. I'd had some alcohol issues for quite a few years, but hadn't really recognized it. And during lockdown of last year, I think our first or second lockdown, I um, just got to the point where I was overdoing it constantly and was getting pretty sick of myself. And yeah, had one particularly bad incident, one bad lunch slash afternoon, and decided from that point on that I couldn't continue with alcohol. So a friend put me on to the alcohol experiment, which is a free online program that you can do over the course of 30 days. And it's essentially mindset training around alcohol and and your relationship with it. And I sort of haven't really looked looked back since that. So I drank the Kool-Aid. I was just in after that, like that was just mind blowing and life changing. So. Since doing that, I had a total 180 switch of went from thinking that I couldn't have a life without alcohol, like I couldn't imagine my my life without wine, to not being able to imagine dealing with that anymore. And one of the ways that I have found helpful with moving on and being able to still socialise and do all the things that I love to do is by using non-alcoholic drinks. So what started out initially was me trying to find a red wine replacement because I loved red wine and that was the thing I missed the most because obviously it was winter and that's what I I wanted. So I just started buying and trying and buying and trying and buying and trying and being like, right, so this is not as easy as what I thought it was going to (laughs) be.
0: And I think that's really what so many people find, right? It's early in the space and for you it sounded like it was early 2020 and you come to this decision to kind of move away from alcohol and it sounds like there was really no way to know. Like you said, you're buying and trying, buying and trying and there's really no way to know what's good or where you can even find it, whether that's at a retailer or in a bar or a pub, right?
1: Yeah. I think at the start I probably would have gone to Dan Murphy's I actually can't really remember but then I remember jumping online and and started out buying from craft zero I think at that point um irene hadn't even launched Sand Strengths yet um I do remember her launching so I would have started off buying things from craft zero I was keeping notes in my in my phone so I was just taking a photo and writing yes or no or you know just for myself so I wasn't going to try something again that had been terrible and I remember even at that point I think I had more luck with the sparkling wines than the reds and it got to sort of december of that year and I was talking to a girlfriend and showing her all my notes and she said you should be sharing this like this is useful knowledge for other people you, you've got to share this so we set up an instagram account my husband came up with the the name that day and yeah I just set it up and and started saying you know this is terrible pour this down yeah. the sink don't buy this and this is really good and i really enjoyed it for these reasons
0: and where can people find you on um, instagram so you said you set that up
1: yeah that's dry underscore but underscore wet
0: yep dry underscore butt underscore wet on instagram
1: Yeah, yeah. And I guess because I was so honest, I got quite a really good amount of feedback and interaction from the people that started following me. And it was suggested quite a few times, like, you need to bring all this together, you need to put it on a website, or you need to at least create a spreadsheet or do something that you can share so that we can compare notes with notes because we're just losing it in your Instagram feeds. So like, okay, All right, boss. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, so I've set up a website and started yeah, putting the reds together with ratings and collating it all so people could easily navigate what was there. And yeah, and that's just kept grown and grown and grown and as you know yourself, you know, there's new products coming out by the day now. The the market's just growing so quickly. Like I'm so far behind on reviewing things because there's only, you know, so many hours in the day.
0: <laughs> yeah, I feel your pain. It's crazy at yeah. the moment. And I think it is one of those things where there's just so much coming through and it's so great. It's such a great problem to it have. It is. But equally, it does get to that point where, especially for you being in it so early, I imagine you've come from a view where you didn't know where to buy it, and now you've actually got so much to review that it swung the complete other way.
1: Yeah, it's 100% the other way. And it's such a good problem to have. Like, it's so oh,
0: absolutely. amazing.
1: And I can taste that the quality is ever increasing.
0: Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where I was actually talking to my dad the other day, and he said they were on a call with a, a winemaker from one of the wineries out in the Yarra Valley. and. All they do is focus on traditional wine, so alcoholic wine, and even those guys are now looking into the space of how they can get a piece of the market. And I guess where you've got premium winemakers now looking to enter the space and utilise their knowledge from a winemaking mm. background, it's only going to raise it even further, isn't it? And like you said, it touches on that point of you can actually start to taste it now, the difference.
1: Yeah, you really can. Like what, I, what was on offer, and especially in terms of red wines six months ago, there's just so much more, so many better options it's great. It drives me to keep on the right path. I know it's like, it's good for me to be able to share all this knowledge with people. But for me, it's doing all these reviews and the writing and the whole drive at wet piece is just, it really helps me as well because it gives me focus.
0: Yeah and like you mentioned that kind of decision to make that really hard choice to move away from alcohol which is something you you know previously enjoyed drinking and I feel that's hard enough when you've got a built out community and accepting culture around it and like a fruitful and accessible products right so having made that decision to move across like you said it's kind of reassuring seeing all of these new products and it's starting to grow quite rapidly
1: Yeah it is it, because when when you do decide to stop like when I decided to stop I was the only sober mm-hmm. person that I knew
0: and I imagine that can be quite daunting.
1: It is daunting, especially when you don't want to be a her- become a hermit. <laughs> you want to still be able to go out and socialize and do all the things that you enjoy doing and still feel a part of the party, really. Mm. And
0: it's funny, like, even though I think we come at it from quite different ends of the spectrum, it's that very exact same feeling of wanting to be part of the party and not yeah. wanting to be the hermit. I get that. And it's kind of really nice yeah. to see the way that things like Dry But Wet are coming to the market and helping people with that. I guess the way I compare it is it's kind of doing for the non-alcoholic space or people who choose not to drink alcohol to, I guess, the way the publicity that like veganism got, so yeah. how that became really popular yeah. and then had all of the culture around it. And now it's like really it's just normal. Like you've got veggie bar, you've got um, a whole host of things which are dedicated to yeah. vegetarianism and veganism. The the movement of kind of dry but wet is kind of helping, you know, do that for non-alcoholic space.
1: I think the, the market is – like the supermarket, like you know, if there's a whole vegan section in the supermarket, then it's, it is becoming accepted in the mainstream. And that's what we're seeing now with the non elk. Where where I live, because we're quite um regional, we've got three Woolworths in our town, and one Woolworths is only one is starting to stock the non elk. And I walked in yesterday, and they've now got the whole new naked life range. Oh, uh, yep massive range
0: yeah they're starting to really grow aren't they
1: yeah and it's all in there and it's just like it's really the marker i think it's starting to cross over
0: and have you seen i guess from your end with people you're interacting in whether it's directly on the website or through instagram have you found that people are kind of skewing to one particular type of drink or a a range of drinks
1: i thought it was one (laughs) i had this preconceived notion that everyone was only interested in wine because i think a lot of the people that i was interacting with were heavily focused on wine, but I'm trying to do some market research and business building ideas and all of that at the moment. And so I've been doing a lot more interacting with people um, one-on-one and yeah, it's not just that at all. (laughs) People want to find whiskey replacements and I was speaking to a girl the other day and she likes fruity drinks. And I'm like, I've never thought about that because I hate fruity drinks, but people want different things. She wants, she's like, I want something really sweet, but without the sugar. I'm like, okay, well, actually I I know this and this and this, and you should try these.
0: And is that kind of the premise of Dry But Wet? It's there to really help people find, first of all, drinks because I know it's there it's got drink reviews and it's there to help people find drinks that are out there. But there's a few other aspects of it as well in terms of the venue register and I guess the the petition sitting behind it to help people contribute, I should say, a way to actually helping get those drinks into venues. Are they kind of two other key factors of it as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's just grown really organically over the last sort of eight to ten months. That sort of started with just me personally. This all just keeps starting with me personally and then being like, I should share this. So, again, wanting to go out and enjoy myself and getting cranky as all hell with no options on drinks menus and needing to find a way around that. And initially my way around that was by, you know, before I went out to, to dinner anywhere, not just on the day, like two weeks in advance, give them as much lead time as possible contacting the restaurant and saying look I'm coming for dinner for you know whatever reason quite quite often you know it's good to pump up a reason yeah. so that's really special wedding anniversary or inflate it make a big deal out of it I'm coming for dinner and it really mean a lot to me if I could bring a bottle of non-alcoholic wine because I see that you've got nothing on your list I'd be prepared to pay corkish would that be okay and you know I've got really mixed responses from that I obviously haven't been able to do it for a long time because we've been Mm -hmm. locked down. It feels like it's uh, forever. But some venues are just a hard, fast no, we don't allow any BYO. And that annoys me because I know there's no licensing issue there, obviously. It's just a stupid policy for no reason. But even if you get a no, it opens up an opportunity for a further conversation. And that even just that could be just planting a seed for them that that venue is never considered.
0: So it sounds like not only are you benefiting yourself by saying, hey, I want to bring this because I like drinking it, but it also at the same time using that entry point to be like, hey, actually, I know you may not have considered it, but this is what it can do for you. And And then I guess that's where this whole piece sitting behind it goes to, look, these are all the people that are drinking it and the people that would support it. Does that then lead into, well, these are the people that you could speak to who can help you stock it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because I've been working with brands and stuff a lot more now, I've got those connections and I can actually hook venues up with the right people and make recommendations. But what I've done on the website really with the squeaky wheel is I've got all those helpful hints on how to approach venues because quite often people are If something's not on the menu or in front of them, they're too too afraid to ask or they're just not used to asking. So I think really when we want to drive change, it has to be consumer driven. So it's up to us to ask to a certain extent. So I really want people to be able to feel empowered to do that. So there's a lot of information there about doing that.
0: And what are some of those hints look like?
1: Um, probably just like what I've already run through, like the asking ahead, doing it however you're comfortable. Like if you're not comfortable talking to someone face to face or on the phone, then email them or get them on social media and just ask if you can bring, ask what they have for starters, because sometimes you don't know and then if they don't have anything ask if they can BYO if they don't let you BYO say well given the fact that we've got two weeks would you consider getting x or y in for me and if all roads lead to no then it's like well okay do I really want to go and have that meal there and for me like it does come down to that because I really just it's really it's not hard but it grinds my gears if I have to sit there and have literally no options when I'm surrounded by people.
0: Yeah, it really detracts back from that whole reason non alcoholic drinks are there are really to help engagement and bring that sense of I think engagement's the right word, really mm. being part of the fun.
1: But it's inclusive.
0: Yes, exactly. That's the word, inclusiveness. And when they're not even open to taking it on is is really interesting. And I think it's one which is a super interesting point because how have you seen that change come about since you first started trying to get these into venues to now? Have you found that people are a little bit more inclusive or a little bit more open to the idea of having them on board?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in my small town here where I live in Port Ferry, I think there's not a venue in town now where you can't get a non-alcoholic drink. So that's that's awesome. Even our daggy, daggy pubs have non-alcoholic beer, which is great. And I don't think, I mean, I can't take all the credit for that. I think it's a groundswell that is happening organically anyway across the board. Like most pubs will now at least have a Carlton Zero or a Heineken. And whilst that's not necessarily the best, it's a start and it means that it's on their radar. It is happening organically by itself, but then there are places that need a bigger push. And then there's venues that are like totally caning it and leading the way like the Vic Hotel in Footscray where they have a full non-alcoholist. You can get naughty on bottle service. They've got Sober and they're they're trying to get heaps normal on tap there and they've got all the Monceau pit net. kombuchas and they've they're looking at putting on a steel red and they they've got everything there and it's like it's a full list it's its own thing and it's incredible and there's a pub
0: that's really interesting that you mentioned about looking to get heaps normal on tap because when i spoke to big drop in the uk he said that's mm. the very mm. next thing for the guys in the uk to do and that is to get it on draft in a pub and it's interesting that most of the time the uk are mm. 18 months to 24 months ahead of us and they haven't managed to get that there yet but it's andrew mcconnell isn't it at the at Footscray Hotel who's been able to push it through
1: uh no Andrew he takes care of all the builder's arms
0: oh builder's arms yeah
1: but they are they are like sisters to each other so it's Anthony Hammond is the publican at the Footscray, and he's a legend, (laughs) but he's also involved with Builders Arms, right? where they have Monceau on tap, incidentally. They've got the Monceau on tap there, which is cool.
0: So it sounds like it's really moving at a rate of knots. What do you see next in terms of the in-venue piece? Because I think that's the bit that's really missing at the moment, isn't it? It's that once we come out of lockdown, what do you see happening in that space? And and I guess how can beyond the petition, how can people um, contribute to that?
1: I think the next big step for everyone is wine because at the moment it's easy to put a beer on. People are stocking Monday in places, but wine is the next big step because I think it's just that that's a big step. It just feels like a big, scary step because the quality has been so varied um, and it feels like a big commitment to putting wine on. But then there's brands like Vinata who are bringing out the Piccolos and that makes it easier to have on on-premises. So there's like little tiny baby steps in there that can help. And so really, apart from the, the petition, which we need more signatures on, I'm, we're, we're sort of at the 1700 mark, and we want to at least get two and a half thousand on there. It's just, it's just continuing to ask. Whenever we are allowed out, again, it's just continuing to ask and have those conversations. If you get a no, just keep asking.
0: And really pushing the point. And so much of it is still out there in terms of people actually don't know that it is something which is in demand because I almost feel like you could have a discussion with so many pub owners or restaurant owners and they may not know. So I think that's right in terms of keeping the momentum behind it.
1: Keeping it on their radars. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also supporting the venues that do do the right thing is really important as well. Supporting them and promoting them. So if if you are having dinner somewhere and they've got options then sharing that on your social media if, if you're comfortable doing that. It helps them an awful lot as well and just encourages more of the same because venues talk to each other like they're a whole network and if people see someone doing something well then they're maybe going to be a little bit more inclined to, to giving it a go.
0: And in terms of the venues as well, you've got the Venue Register, which houses venues from all over Australia, right? So have you found that has been a a really good resource? I think you've used yourself a couple of times, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have used it myself, (laughs) which is, it's good. It's handy to have. And yeah, that's growing all the time. It's sort of, things have sort of slowed up since we've been in in lockdown. I feel like people aren't in the right headspace to be adding to it, but it's good. And it's there's venues in every state and territory in there now. So once people can get out and about, again, I think I'll, I'll start asking for more submissions to that because it's really important for people to be able to support the venues that are doing the right thing and know where they are.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And they're not even, I guess, centred in the main CBD areas. They're really, or I've found at least, they're really branched out, even out into the suburbs out here down in Melbourne. I walked into one just before lockdown six hit and it was really intriguing. I was talking to the owners and they were like, oh, we love our non-alcoholic drinks here. And they had the Liars range. They had a couple of other spirits as well. And they had a few different beers as well. So it was just nice to see the ranges start to grow. But I think you're right in terms of that piece, how mm. the Banata guys have the piccolos coming in. And like you said, that kind of really de-risks it for the, the yeah. venue because they're not going to be stuck yeah. with the big bottle. They're actually going to be able to move one bottle yeah. and then not have to sit on the rest of it, which is really quite cool. Round up my chat with Amy, we spoke about the three drinks she's really enjoying at the moment and we also touched on the really important piece around how you too can help get drinks into venues and what the key steps are to help you do that. As always, if you are looking for the steps in more detail, you can find them over at tipplezero.com forward slash session 08. They'll all be there in the show notes for you to check out. So check out what Amy has to say on her favorite drinks and how you too can contribute to getting more and more drinks into venues as well. I did want to ask you what a couple of your favorite drinks are at the moment. Like you said, there are so many coming through. If I can narrow it down, what would your top, I'll give you three, what would your top three be?
1: My Desert Island drinks.
0: <laughs> yep.
1: The Naughty Rosé, so good.
0: Really? It's, um, it's a cut above the rest?
1: So good. The Molly Rose Mm -hmm. Citra. Citra? The orange one. That beer is so tasty. And if I had to choose one more, I do love me a Monday Paloma. And then going into summer, I think, oh, it's so refreshing.
0: Yeah, I haven't had that one yet. What's that one all about?
1: It's like tequila and pink grapefruit, finger lime. Yeah, it's everything that I – because I love citrus and a bit of tang, so it's perfect. Yeah, the Monday Paloma is my number one refreshing. It's like, ah oh, and ah oh, drink. So
0: you've got the Paloma, you've got the Molly Rose Citra and the Naughty Rose. Yeah. Nice. They sound like a great spring-summer trio, right?
1: Yeah. Well, it's, you know, go, now that we're getting these nicer days, to start forgetting about red wine for a while. <laughs>
0: I think it is one of those things where there's just so many options for all the different seasons, right? And like you said, the more that come out and the more awareness there is around it, you know, it won't just be beer and wine, it'll be everything through the Monday range as well and all of the other spirits that end up in bars, restaurants and pubs. So hopefully that all kind of comes about relatively soon.
1: Yeah, they'll all be spoiled for choice.
0: <laughs> it would be nice to have it all available and, and out yeah, there as would. soon as possible.
1: I think we're we're a little way away from that, but it, it is happening and it's it's exciting that it's happening the one thing that bothers me is the sort of the like the low-hanging fruit option. There's a restaurant group in, in Melbourne that before we went into lockdown have announced that they're putting a full wine list on at, at each of their however many venues, but they're putting on McGuigan's and they're just basic options. Yeah,
0: so they're going for the ones that have maybe the higher distribution instead of doing, I guess, the groundwork to actually find the bespoke ones. Yeah.
1: Doing any research and putting something out that's actually drinkable on, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's kind of the biggest thing because you see so many companies who are getting into making it or getting into stocking it and they're like, we need to get into non elk And then they get into non elk but they're actually doing themselves a disservice by getting into it without doing the 20 hours of research that it takes to actually identify what works. A successful story of a big brand doing this is James Squire. They took the better part of two years to come to market. And if you look at what's out there, you could consider them late. But by coming to market 18 months to two years after it all kicked off, they've actually done it in a way, I think anyway, with a lager that's probably, and my review says it, it's kind of the best in class or the class leading at the moment. So you're right. There is that perspective of instead of jumping at it straight away, just take the time and actually find out what is good and stock that. Otherwise, you're going to be stuck with a whole lot of stuff no one's going to want to drink.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The thing that bothers me is that if people are going out and having this non-alcoholic experience and they think that that's it, they see like the tip of the iceberg and they think that that's it, they're missing out and then give up or write off non-alcohol as just being dreadful based on the glass of McWiggins that they had when they were out for dinner then they're missing out on so much good stuff and that's what grinds my gears a little bit about that but you know I shouldn't complain because it's positive that it's happening so it's just it's not happening well enough <laughs>
0: It's all moving. It'll just take a little bit of time. And yeah. in terms of helping it along, if you were to leave people with a few pointers of how they could help move it along, you know, I know you've got the website. It might just be worth reiterating or letting everyone know where they can find it all again and how they can help move things along.
1: Yeah, so um, you can find me at drybutwet on Instagram or au. There's a whole portion of my website there called the Squeaky Wheel, which is all about asking hospitality venues to stop non-alc, supporting non-alc selling venues. So there's a venue register and you can enter in there. You need to sign a petition and, yeah, just keep talking about it and be vocal and asking because if you build it, they will come. <laughs>
0: Exactly right. It's making sure that you're asking in a way that you're comfortable to ask, whether that's on the phone, in venue or just hitting them up via socials and then just planting the seed if nothing else. It is really something which is going to continue to grow and really develop in a way that we haven't seen before, which is great. I'm really looking forward to it and hopefully it kind of takes off sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah, hopefully we can leave the house sooner rather than later. (laughs)
0: you're not wrong i'm um, hanging out for that as well but yeah amy it's been great to chat with you and really hear everything about the way dry but wet is taking off and learning about how it is working towards that kind of future where non-alcoholic drinks are not only normal from like a culture perspective and like a general acceptance perspective but also a normal where they belong alongside alcoholic drinks in pubs bars and restaurants thanks for coming on it's been great to chat
1: thank you for having me
0: Alrighty, that brings us to the end of another episode. I hope you found a lot of value in Amy's approach to getting drinks into bars, pubs and restaurants and also the ways that she's recommended that you can help out and do that as well. If you're looking for any more information on the resources Amy touched on or a little bit more about her, you can find that over at tipplezero.com forward slash session zero seven and there you'll find all the links to Drive It Wet and Amy's socials as well. Now, until next time, I hope you guys are discovering all of the new drinks because they are literally being released at a rate of knots at the moment. And until next time, enjoy and I'll chat to you soon.